Blog Talk Radio. Namaste. You are now in the Funk Soul Cafe, a cool, hot, soulful radio show for artists, writers, and so much more, hosted by yours truly, Robert Batista. So sit back, grab a nice, warm, and soulful cup of java or chai, and listen and enjoy. Susan Benedict and her daughters, Caroline, the sensible one, Allie, the high-strung artist, and teenage Megan are stunned to learn they are being booted out of their family home when her ex-husband Daniel's new trophy wife wants the social status the address will bring her. The Benedict women find themselves in unexpected financial straits, so oldest daughter Caroline is determined to help make ends meet. However, in order to do that, she must consider leaving not only the job she loves, but the man who has her heart, a man engaged to someone else. This is part of a blur from one of the exciting books, Certainly Sensible, of today's guest, author Pamela Woods Jackson. Namaste, Pamela Woods Jackson, and welcome to the Funk Soul Cafe. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Pamela, let's first start off by taking your Java order. We have a wonderful variety of fine espressos, cappuccinos, and lattes. And we also have herbal teas for those tea lovers. So, what's your fancy, Pamela? Oh, it would have to be cappuccino. All right. (laughs) Oh, that's a great choice. I will get that right up for you. And here you go. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Pamela, welcome to the show. So, you had a career working as a high school teacher. And you say that this caused you to naturally segue into being a young adult author. Why do you feel that this transition was so easy for you? Well, I had worked with teenagers, and I was pretty familiar with the way they talked to each other and the way they related to each other and um, their teenage angst and their romances and so forth. But I uh, one summer 
when I was uh, teaching, I had I took a course on young adult novels, just as a continuing education course. And in two weeks, we read ten books, and like some of them were just awful. <laughs> and I was like, how can these people publish these books and then other people read them and pay money for them? And I thought I could do better than that. And so that's kind of what got me the idea of starting to write my own books. You know, Pamela, I'm I'm a YA author myself. Um, and the term teenage angst is such a widely, widely used term and, and thrown around so often. Can you basically, in a nutshell, describe your meaning of teenage angst? Well, children that age are insecure. They they want to be accepted by their peers, yet they want to stand out and be different from their peers. And there's a lot of pressure to conform or a lot of pressure to be yourself. And so they're, they're all trying to find themselves and find where they fit in to society and our community. And so it can be a lot of pressure. So did you begin your writing career while still working as a teacher, or did you start after you left the profession? I actually started while I was still teaching, although it was kind of hard to justify writing when I had a stack of papers I needed to grade. But there was an incident at the school I taught in that, I mean, not a bad incident, but just something that happened that just jump-started my thinking and about this one girl, the student, and the very first book I I published was called Confessions of a Teenage Psychic, and I kind of used her, or that one particular incident that kind of got me going, but then as much as I, I borrowed my students' names for characters in the books, the whole story and the main character was really my own creation. So, uh, Speaking of psychic, you must be psychic because that's exactly what I was going to ask on my next question, the beginning. Let's talk about the beginning. You said your first book was Confessions of a Teenage Psychic. So how long did it take you to write that book from concept to completed manuscript? Um, I think I started like in the summer of 2007. That was when the idea started percolating in my brain. I was on summer vacation, and I started writing a little bit, and it took at least like a year and a half for me to finish it. Like I said, I had a full-time job and another part-time job, and it was kind of hard to justify sitting here writing a book when, in fact, I had papers to grade and another job to go to. But it took about a year and a half, and then I had no idea what I was supposed to do with it after that, and so the whole process of querying publishers and um, looking for something to do with it was totally new to me, and and that took another little while. It was accepted for publication by the Wild Rose Press in 2009, and it came out in March of 2010. So uh, many, many writers and -and up-and-coming writers who listen to this program always want to know about publishing uh, and getting published. Should they get an agent? 
batch of query letters and and things like that. Um, did you get an agent? Did you think about getting an agent? Did you try to get an agent? And I know you eventually found a publisher, but what were some of the challenges you had in finding a, a publisher for your book, if any? Well, it's kind of catch-22. You've never published before, so no one wants to really take a chance on you. And if they don't take a Correct. chance on you, you're not going to get published. I did try to get an agent, and I could paper a wall with the rejection letters, or you know, electronically <laughs> anyway. So then You and um, all of us. <laughs> right. And I, I did a lot of reading about the subject and, you know, what am I supposed to do? How do you go about this? Uh, the Writer's Market is a book that comes out yearly, and it's a wonderful resource for writers um, as to where to send your writing, whatever it happens to be, for uh, consideration for publishing and to certain agents. But it also gives you samples of a good query letter and a bad query letter and how to approach publishers, how to approach agents. And so I used that kind of as my guideline, and I, I followed the advice. And eventually the Wild Rose Press was willing to take a chance on me, and they took me on. Very interesting. So, Pamela, many authors in the beginning of their writing careers look to hone their craft by taking advanced courses in creative writing and or joining various writers' workshops. Now, I, I heard you mention earlier that you did um, – take a writing course or, or a workshop, or can you explain a little further on what you did? Well, that particular workshop was an educator's um, workshop. It was learning about the genre of novels that the kids might be wanting to read. But I actually did enroll in some non-credit creative writing seminars around the Indianapolis area, and... I actually um, learned quite a bit. There's um, some professional writers locally who've had quite a bit of success and are willing to reach out to beginning authors and offer their expertise and critique their work and so forth. And so I was lucky enough to actually meet up with some of them. Plus I have a brother who is, um, he's published, uh, well, he's produced TV, films, and so forth, and he was willing to give me his feedback on stuff like that. It's on my writing as well. Oh, how cool is that? That's great. Um, Pamela, I am curious to know how you go about the process of bringing your books to creation. Do you make outline for chapters or sections of your manuscript before you write, or do you just let it pre-flow? Um, I've got to have a pretty good idea of where I'm going to go with it before I even get started. I kind of like listen to the, my characters' conversations in my head, and then I start right. writing right. down. Um, with Confessions of a Teenage Psychic, from the get-go, where I was headed. With the sequel that I've got coming out um, this spring... I wasn't entirely sure, and I just started writing what was, you know, coming to me, 
and then all of a sudden it just kind of gelled, and I hit the floor running after that. I, I'm not as organized enough to sit down and make an outline and character sketches and all of that. I just kind of let it flow, and I figure there's going to be a lot of rewriting. Yeah, we 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 just basically <laughs> just write that first draft, you know, and after that, after we'll that it's all revisions. <laughs> exactly. So, so Pamela, has your writing style been compared to other popular authors? And if so, how did you feel about the comparison? Um, the book that you were quoting from earlier, certainly sensible. It won a gold medal in the classic literary competition, and um, one of when they reviewed it, they said they felt like it was one of the old-fashioned romances from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and it was in fact wow. Yeah, so I mean, it does have that romantic feel, and I I admit I I did base it on Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility, so um, it had a lot of romance elements without being, you know, overly modern, but not entirely old-fashioned either. Yeah. One of the books that you mentioned, uh, your first book, uh, that really piqued me was Confessions of a Teenage Psychic. Um, What was the inspiration? Well, you did actually mention the inspiration. It was basically, you know, the the high school uh, situation that you had talked about. So let's talk about its sequel, um, the upcoming Teenage Psychic on campus. Can you reveal any tidbits about where you go in this book? Yeah. Um, I, I've i aged up. I quit teaching high school, and I got bored with 15-year-olds. And so I decided <laughs> that it, it suited my purposes better if she was in college. But I still I love the character. Karen Alderson is spunky and outspoken and incredibly gifted, but She's not necessarily braggadocious about it. And so I, I decided, okay, she's going to college, and her boyfriend that she had in Confessions of a Teenage Psychic, I thought, do I want to bring him forward? No, I don't like him, and he was never very nice to her. So what do I want with him anymore? So I broke them up, and like you find out about that on the very first page and then <laughs> of course that sets you up for you know her best friend's going to try and hook her up with somebody but she's got to have someone who is equally challenging because she's she's so intuitive but she also needs someone who gets her and the other guy just did not get her so I had to come up with right. a character that was challenging, but who would also not be judging her. And his Pamela, name's Gary. You have, <laughs> Pamela, you have graciously agreed to read part of a story for us. Can you set up the piece before you read it? Um, yeah, what I would like to do is I'm going to read, like, the uh, intro from... Confessions of a Teenage Psychic, 
and then you can see where it's going, and then I will pick that up, uh, pick up her story in Teenage Psychic on campus as to where she picks up the story three years later. Oh, that's great. So we ready? Anytime you're ready. Okay. The heat works fine, a male voice says. My heart jumps into my throat and I flip around, thinking we have an intruder. My gaze darts all around the store, looking for anyone, anything, to explain what I thought I heard. I shiver again, realizing I'm alone. And so do the lights, the voice adds. A chill runs down my spine. I feel like I've stepped into the kind of horror movie where the stupid heroine just stands there pleading with the axe murderer not to hurt her instead of getting the heck out of there. Who's there? I do a 360-degree turn and still see no one. I feel the hairs on the back of my neck rise. Silence. I try the light switch again, but the lights just keep flickering and finally go off completely. I open my mouth to scream for my mother, but just like in all good horror flicks, no sound comes out. I'm frozen to the spot in fear. Just when I'm sure I'm going to be the lead story on the 6 o'clock news, I see Uncle Omar across the room leaning on the bookshelves, his arms crossed in front of him. Oh, my God, I'm seeing ghosts again, I shriek. I blink hard, trying to get rid of the apparition. Well, I'm not really a ghost. I'm a spirit. But materializing sucks energy out of the air, he says with a grin. I stare in disbelief. I, uh, don't worry, I won't slime you, he says, laughing. I could almost laugh with him if I weren't so freaked out. Just when I chalked up my last sighting of him to stress or exhaustion or hormones or whatever, here he is again. Now all my rationalizations go out the window as I look into the seemingly solid face of my mother's dead brother. So that's Confessions of a Teenage Psychic. Very interesting. Okay, and then... Okay. um, So then... The story picks up three years later, and um, Karen is at a summer Shakespeare in the in the park play with her friends. Come on, Karen, Sean said. I'll introduce you. Uh, I started a silent prayer to the universe to somehow be excused from a very obvious fix-up, but before I could finish the thought, Sean had his hand on my back, steering me toward the gazebo. Annabeth was right behind me, so there was no hope of escape. The guy's harmless, my uncle whispered in my ear. Now you show up, I muttered. What did you say, Annabeth asked. I just shook my head and allowed Sean to lead me through the adoring fans over to Gary. He was smiling and chatting with an attractive 30-something woman and some of his castmates, and being that close, I noticed he was dripping with sweat. I guess it was to be expected, since it was over 80 degrees out here and he'd been in full body makeup under spotlights. Still, not a good look. Hey, dude. Sean reached out and shook Gary's sweaty and probably slippery hand. Excellent. Thanks, Gary said. He even blushed. Or at least it looked like he did. Maybe it was just the heat. Yeah, Gary, Annabeth said. You were awesome. I noticed she didn't try to shake his hand or hug him or even get too close. Couldn't blame her. Dude, Sean said, planting me in front of him. This is Annabeth's friend, Karen Alderson. She'll be starting at Hamilton Liberal Arts next fall with the rest of us. Sean patted my shoulder. Karen, this is my soon-to-be roomie, Gary Riddell. Nice to meet you. Gary stuck out his sweaty palm. I cringed as I gave him a wimpy and very quick handshake. Pleased to meet you, I mumbled. 
I surreptitiously wiped my hand on my skirt and reminded myself to do laundry the minute I got home. The attractive older woman Gary had been talking to reached over and hugged Gary's shoulders. Just as I was thinking how creepy it was for a woman her age to be so friendly with a guy in his teens, one of those little mini-flicks went through my mind. I relaxed a little. Is this your mom, Gary? Brenda Riddell, she said as she turned to me with a smile that lit up her face. Despite Annabeth and Sean's efforts, I wasn't the least interested in Gary, but I liked his mother immediately. Gary ran his fingers through his dripping bangs. Come on, Mom, i got to hit the shower. Brenda nodded but stopped to speak to some other adults as Gary playfully punched Sean in the arm. Thanks for the ride, Sean, and for bringing... He glanced at me with either disdain or indifference. I couldn't tell which. Friends. With that, he gave Sean the universal fist-to-ear signal for call me and turned to leave. But then he stopped mid-stride. I watched in amazement as Gary stared at a tree, then put his hands on his hips and spoke to the tree? Huh? I grabbed Annabeth's arm and pulled her back. What's that guy doing? Annabeth followed my gaze and saw the same thing I did, but seemed a lot less concerned. She shrugged. Rehearsing? Rehearsing? After the play? That made no sense. All right. (laughs) Sounds like something I would definitely love to pick up. Uh, Thank you for that. Sure. Talk about Pamela Woods Jackson, the person. Where did you grow up? And where did you grow up? And what was your childhood like? I grew up in Oklahoma City, so I'm certainly a long way from home. Um, Mm -hmm. My mother was a pioneer in the early days of television, you might say. And she was on local television. She was a singer and a performer, and she was starting, I mean, she was like 14, 15 years old, and singing on television and around town. And so she, I, I guess I was kind of like in the theater world the whole time I was growing up because of her involvement. Right. And so, you know, I've got a, a brother and a sister, we're all pretty close in age and pretty close friends, but we don't live anywhere near each other, so we just keep in contact all the time. I uh, I went what to the university. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I went to the University of Oklahoma, and um, so I'm a Sooner. Graduated with a degree in English and education. So, what were some of the books? and authors that inspired you in your youth? Well, I remember reading Little Women and the Louisa May May Alcott books. I devoured all Mm -hmm. of the Nancy Drew books, as poorly written as they were. And um, somewhere along the line, I read Pride and Prejudice and filed it away in the back of my mind that I liked it, but I didn't really understand it, and I needed to go, when I got older, I went back and reread it, and then I was like, oh, okay, now I get it, and then I became a big Jane Austen fan. (laughs) You know, I'm curious, um, how about your former students? Um, Did you ever hear from any of them uh, pertaining to your your books? Um, I'm sure that they were 
tickled, you know, that uh, one of their teachers had become a, a successful author. Uh, have you ever heard from any of them? Yeah, actually all the time. They're all adults now, and I've kind of been in contact with them on Facebook a lot. Um, right. The young woman who inspired Karen, I don't know what became of her, but one of her friends claimed that she was psychic, and I was like, really? And I don't know if she was or not, but that's kind of what started me thinking about what would it be like in that girl's head. But there was another young woman that I named a character after, and um, she has she's in seminary school now, becoming a minister. And another young man that uh, was an extremely talented violinist, and he's living in Israel at the moment. So, and then there's another one that's a banker, and um, so I I see them. Some of the ones that I remember particularly, I see them on Facebook and kind of keep in, tra- in touch with them. And they seem to be interested in the fact that I'm coming out with a sequel to the book that I originally wrote. They were all really excited when I first published this one because, like I said, I borrowed a lot of names, but the characters were my own. But they're like, wow, did you read it? And is who's this one and who's that one? And so, you know, trying to figure out the situation, the whole situation was my total invention. But a lot of the setting I described was, sure enough, the high school that they all went to. Wow, that that's so awesome. Um Pamela, many authors, myself included, fall in love with characters in our books. Were there any characters that stayed in your heart well after you finished writing the story? I love Karen. I absolutely do. Um, And I feel like she's probably got more story that I could tell, and I may actually do that. Um, her best friend in this book, her name's Annabeth, she was in the other book. Originally, when I conceived of her, she was supposed to be show up in one scene to prove a point and then disappear, and she just elbowed her way in. She wasn't going to be ignored, and <laughs> a main character. So I, I also thought, when I went with the sequel, I was like, which one of her friends would I bring along with her who is totally supportive of her and understands where she's coming from. And, of course, it was this one character, Annabeth. It's amazing how some of our characters <laughs> elbow <laughs> their way in and out of certain situations. Uh, that happens to so many of us authors. Um, so, Pamela, I'd like to hear more about your current part-time job working at a museum. What type of work do you do there? And describe what a typical day is like. Uh, it's a living history museum. And so okay. considering that most of most of the museum is outside, during the wintertime we're not open outdoors. So right now we've just got some indoor areas that are, you know, smaller and not they don't attract the crowds right now. So it's kind of slow. But about the end of March we reopen our outdoor areas and then – it's craziness because it's a very popular museum. It's one of the top living history museums in the country. And I I work in guest services, so I sell tickets, I sell memberships, I sell balloon tickets, I answer questions. 
um, I'm right up one of the first people that people see when they come in. Wow, that's that's great. Um, Yeah. Do you ever think, Pamela, that working there at the museum will inspire another series of books taken from your museum experiences? Well, oddly enough, um, another book that I haven't mentioned is Genius Summer, and it came out in 2014. Um, It was part contemporary and part historical fiction. And the historical fiction part is set in 1865, and it's based on a true story. And in order to get some of the the details accurate, I spent a lot of time doing research around the museum, talking to the very knowledgeable historical interpreters, um, looking up stuff in our research areas, and just trying to get get it accurate. Because if I'm going to write about 1865, it had to be right. So right. That, it, the museum was an invaluable resource to me in that. Pamela, every writer has his or her own special way of working their magic. Some authors can pull out a pen or laptop and write anything, anywhere, at any time, but others need a special time and place to be creative. Which one are you? I have got to be sitting in front of my... PC, I don't even own a laptop, and I've got to not have any external extractions. I can't have music on. I can't have the TV on. It's got to be totally focused. The only exception I allow is my cat can sit in my lap. But other than that, I've got to be totally focused and think. Let's talk social media. I see that you are on many of the sites such as Facebook and Goodreads. Um, Of all the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand and which in your estimation is the best for authors? Or does each platform offer its own special competition? Well, I'm a big fan of Facebook. I'm not even on Twitter. I tried it once. I couldn't figure it out. And it was just like, okay, do I want to write books or do I want to spend time on social media? And so I don't have time to do all of them. I know a lot of authors have quite a bit of success on Twitter. But I've also discovered that all of those same people, plus all of a lot of readers, are on Facebook, and it just feels more accessible. So I, I'm just more comfortable working on Facebook. In fact, I hardly even get on Goodreads either. It it kind of annoys me. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a major school of thought that feels in order to be a good writer, you have to be an extensive reader as well. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, You learn not only storytelling and techniques, but you just learn what where you fit in as far as your writing is concerned, your genre that you want to write in, and just being able to be um, well-read can only translate into making your writing better. And partly because I was an English teacher, I just love to read, and this uh, new book coming out is just loaded with literary references. 
Yes, I, I agree with you. Um, in closing, as an accomplished fiction author, what advice do you have for new and up-and-coming writers? Is there anything you learned from the journey that you wish you knew before you started? I would say be patient. Um, it's You're so excited about your, your first writing and you want to get it out there, but sometimes sending it out into the world too soon can be self-defeating and it's demoralizing. So you want to make sure that it's ready for its debut and be patient with yourself and be patient with your work before you put it out there. Get some beta readers, um, run it by your family and friends, and just get some feedback before you're ready to send it out into the publishing world. Excellent, excellent advice. So what's next for Pamela Woods Jackson? I know you have your new sequel coming out, but what other irons do you have in the fire coming up? Well, I have two other books that are written. In, uh, one of them, has, it's ready to go if I could just find somebody to publish it. It's a young adult novel. And the other one is a contemporary romance, and it's finished, but I'm still editing, so it's not ready for prime time yet. <laughs> so how do people get a hold of you if they want to contact you? Um, any website, any any uh, contact information, email, Twitter? Well, you're not on Twitter, so any way that you can be contacted. I'm on Facebook. I have an author page, Pamela Woods Jackson. There's a hyphen between Woods and Jackson, and they can get on there and they can send me a message. I will always answer that. Um, so that's really probably the best way for anyone to reach out to me. This has been the Funk Soul Cafe with me, Robert Batista. One of the easiest ways to peer into my soul is to download and read my free micro story called My Baby Has No Name from Smashwords.com. My guest has been YA and NA author Pamela Woods Jackson, and her new upcoming book is called Teenage Psychic on Campus. Make sure you pre order yours today. Thank you so much, Pamela, for being my guest on the Funk Soul Cafe. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great, great experience. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now.